thank you for that opening scream. I appreciate that, Alicia. I don't know if anyone actually heard it, but well, there it was. So welcome to VF Gaming. That's <laughs> how um, you know we get attention to start off podcast to scream. Yeah, go figure, right? Um, so uh, mostly what we're going to be covering today is a little bit of the uh, up and coming games that are uh, releasing this year that we're looking forward to. Um, from the notable list, there is uh, Pokemon Unite, which gets the full release on iOS and Android on September 22nd. Um, I know you had briefly mentioned playing that, I think? Yeah, I, I looked into it because for some reason on my YouTube feed, it was there was a video recommended and it was Gengar doing stupid shit as normal, like a MOBA hero usually does at some point. What MOBA hero ends up being overpowered is all ungodly hell. And I saw one for Gengar. Gengar's my favorite Pokemon. I'm like, I kind of want to do that. And then I actually looked into Pokemon Unite and then saw about all its downfalls in terms of its pay model. Yes, it's free to play, but there's a lot of pay to win. And there's like an equipping system. So think back to League of Legends old runes systems there. Essentially doing you equip an item to your, your Pokemon. But the only way to get the item is through either an egregiously amount or high amount of playtime. Or, hey, here's a $5 bill. Give me that item. Buying that. So I'm like, eh. It's Probably not, um, but it's pretty much the typical MOBA gameplay. They swapped out killing towers for um, a hoop at where a tower would be, and as you get kills, you get like balls that you then actually like, channel on the hoop to dunk, and after you put enough points into that tower, it dies. Um, not going to lie, that actually kind of intrigued me, because then you can essentially dunk on your opponent by you know channeling your, the, the points into the, into the hoop, which is really funny. Um, but yeah, it was, it, for me, it was just the, the the pay model was what turned me off because I probably would have played it if it didn't have, if, at least maybe not an egregious. I get that, yes, the whole free-to-play, they need to be making money somehow. So yeah, you can be buying Pokemon with money, even maybe a little bit of extra power. Like I do think the runes that when League had them was fine. And those were also all just pure in-game currency too. It wasn't even with, with uh, the money points. But even if it was, as long as it didn't take you friggin' like, 30 plus hours to get one rune in league like that wouldn't have been bad yeah so uh great that's getting a full release i personally just hope that maybe it they change their pay model and i if they did honestly it'd probably be bigger than heroes of the storm was just because of the pokemon iv uh i will say though i am i'm actually kind of glad that uh that pokemon is uh delving into the world of mobas because they they could use some more other than just more exposure other than just the the typical traditional pokemon style game it is nice, and actually, I, I am glad that it's doing MOBA as well, because I can't remember where I saw it, but there was some sort of survey, a video was referencing, ref, uh, referencing a survey that was done in terms of demographics, and, like, League has essentially, like, a 90% male player base. No surprise there. Think MOBA's male. But actually, I can't remember what it was. I think it was some Chinese MOBA that actually 60% of the players were female. And now Pokemon is obviously, I'd probably say 50-50 male and female, so actually getting people more women into MOBA type games through Pokemon, I think it'd be great. League community could definitely use some more women in the player base. It's true. It's true. Um, one of the other uh, games that actually just recently came out um, on the 9th, if I can find it right here on the list that I'm looking at that I can't... Yes. September 10th, Tales of Arise. It is part of the Tales of series game, which I am excited about um, because I, I love the Tales of games. I have played the shit out of uh, Symphonia I'm not quite finished with Berseria, but I've got 30-something hours logged on it. Um, I have Vesperia on my Switch that I'm almost done with, and that's got 30-plus hours on it. 
Um, I didn't play Tales of Symphonia 2, but like the, the, the Tales of series is really, really good, so I'm, I'm glad that they came out with a new one, Tales of Arise. Yeah, it's been on my, my radar. I've seen, obviously, like the ads on YouTube videos beforehand. I've only played one Tales game. I still cannot remember which one it is. I'm pretty sure it's Fantasia. It was one. I'm pretty sure it was a remake on the GBA is when I, is when I played it on the GBA for sure, but I'm pretty sure it was a remake of an earlier one, or at least a port of an earlier one. It's the only one I played. I did enjoy it, so the Tales series is usually always on my radar. I just never get around to actually playing the game when that one finally comes out. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll eventually get it when I've when I've got a little bit extra cash on on the side. Um, what is what is known about it specifically? Any story elements or combat I, elements? I have been trying to avoid all of that as spoilers that spoil, because I just enough. want to. I I want to when i get it i want to sit down and experience it and just do it um fair enough let's see what else so we got uh, diablo 2 resurrected coming out on september 23rd woo uh i've actually <laughs> heard that it's actually a pretty good remaster unlike reforged so pretty good in terms of like uh the starcraft hd that came out was the start of their their little remastering shtick uh, was also very well received, and I did purchase it and play it, and I I do enjoy it actually. It's a very nice update. I think I also uh, re that one. Reforged obviously was a complete and utter failure. Um, yeah, I so did not that, that's unfortunate. I I didn't, and I'm so glad that I didn't. If they actually pro uh, did what they promised they were going to do, I would have for sure got it, but they didn't, so I ended up getting it. And I did try the open beta. It played pretty much what i remember from diablo 2 diablo 2 is by far my least favorite diablo game so i'm probably not going to get it even if it does turn out to be great just because diablo 2 was not my jam um but i i do hope that it does please those that do want diablo 2 i did like how you can i'm, I'm pretty sure that you can do it with all of the the remastered games that Blizzard does but you can press a button and it swaps it back to the original and so you can actually see the difference that was that was a lot yeah, of fun the visual difference yeah um but yeah play the exact same talent trees were there was leveling a pal a paladin for a little bit to try and do hammered in didn't actually get up to hammered in because i got through first half of act one i'm like yeah this plays exactly what i remembered is if this was my jam i'd totally play more but i'm like eh i'll pass the the cinematics the rest of the max i they're actually good quality unlike again reforged did, um, they, did they redo any of the voice acting or did they use a lot the, of the original as far lines? as i've only saw i only saw the opening cinematic um I've actually watched it. Yeah, they've only released the first two cinematics, the opening one and the Act Two one. And the, as far as I can tell, the audio is the same. It's maybe at most like tweaks to maybe sound better quality. But as far as I can tell, like it wasn't re-recorded in terms of the voice actors. Um, the one thing that I wasn't a big fan of with the cinematic, at least for the opening one, is spoiler alert. So if you haven't played Diablo two yet, is when Marius is in the Insane Asylum and Tyrael is coming in to talk to him about the soul stone he thinks it's Tyrael he's divulging everything that happened it's actually Bale in the original in the hood you just see black you don't see a face whatsoever whereas in the remastered one you actually do see the outline of a face and it clearly does look like Bale does in like his actual rendition in the original D2 Lord Construction cinematic so I mean I, I like that because hey it's hitting it's not actually Tyrael because he never said he was Tyrael Morris was assuming it's Tyrael but it's also because like that reveal is kind of cool if you're like not paying attention. So I, it's that was hit or miss for me. Everything else, it like the audio quality is the same, the actual visual, and overall like there were some demons 
in the opening cinematic where that are like destroying the end that I couldn't quite tell like what kind of demon is that what what is that blob and then it was actually like oh now I see what it was supposed to look like well I mean so, at, least, at least it's you know you can actually tell a lot more now because it is visually prettier which I yeah. appreciate so at least so far from what I've seen I think it will actually be decently received which Blizzard does need right now so let's yes, hope that that is the they, case they really could use uh, some good news for that um the next up game that we're actually that you more so than me are looking forward to is metroid dread coming out on october 8th yes so metroid dread i it is on my list of what i would like to play whether or not i get time we'll find out um but i've followed a, a little bit not a whole lot uh just watched a couple of trailers and the overall plot sounds relatively interesting to me i'm not sure how much you know about the overall metroid timeline you know, like how you probably actually played more Metro games than I have, to be honest. Yeah, possibly. Uh... Um, but it takes place after, is it Zero Mission? Is that uh... the one where Samus gets the X Parasite and they have to do that? I think so. I can't remember which one it is. It's either way. Uh, so the, it's, whatever it's a the... follow up story. For, it's actually a follow up story. No, uh... Fusion. Yeah, Fusion, I'm pretty sure. From yes. Fusion. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that to me is interesting because Fusion came out, I'm pretty sure, like 2000, 2001. 2002. Like, 2002, yeah. So almost over 20 years ago. And every Metroid game, I mean, there hasn't been that many, but every Metroid game since then has been early in the timeline. So I'm at least there's, interested there's to be like, oh, what's going on after? There have been a fair bit, actually, um, because there was, so there was Zero Mission, Prime 1, 2, and 3 since then. And then... Uh, and then the other one that we don't talk of, other M. Ugh. I, Again, it premise, was a good great. Idea, don't give a sound protagonist a voice. Yeah. That is that is the, the probably the biggest downfall for that one. Um, but yeah, so like that was actually a decent number of ones, but all of those happened before the last one in the timeline. And don't get me wrong, like, the Primes are my favorite Metroid games. I love them. I really want Prime 4 to be released at some point here. Um but just i never did play fusion but i do know the overall um plot of it so it's like i'm kind of interested to see what exactly happens after that uh after samus gets infused with the x parasite or whatever it was oh this is uh so this game is actually the end of that story arc of samus after she's been infused with the metroid uh, okay so that'll be interesting um some of the other game releases coming out are Back for Blood, which, uh, based off of the footage and feedback that I've seen and heard from the open beta, is going to flop hard. Which, that's the that's from the developers from Left 4 Dead, right? Uh, yes, half of the developers yeah, from yeah. Left 4 Dead. Um, yeah. The main, the biggest issue that is going to take the most balance that I don't think will happen upon release is, okay, so here's how the difficulties go. There is the easy difficulty, which is easy. You two-shot pretty much every zombie, and they do, like, one or two damage to you. Uh, there's the next difficulty up. You two to three shot every zombie, and they do, like, two to five damage to you. Uh, there's the third difficulty, which is a little bit harder. And then there is the max difficulty, where people couldn't even, legitimately could not even get past the second level. So the, the difficulty spike is actually just stupid. Yes, it is insane. It, it, it goes from absolute pansy, pansy, kind of pansy, what the fuck. Yeah, that... that There's no steps in between. 
Yeah, and that is kind of unfortunate because I do have uh, some friends from school that I still talk to that loved Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. Oh, I mean, and so I'm, I'm I, I haven't talked to them recently, but I'm pretty sure that they are that they would they would have been pumped for this game. But considering yeah, the feedback that I've been hearing about it is they are probably like, oh, it's not going to be that great. Yeah, no, I watched uh, Luke Cannon and Ryan all do their their section in the open beta, and it was genuinely disappointing. Because like, okay, so there's there's um essentially affixes that can be applied to the the zombies the first two difficulties don't have an affix the third difficulty has one affix the fourth difficulty has five affixes yeah why like that's not even like that is not a curve that is literally just a a straight up line it's a spike as as a math teacher i can say (laughs) that is not a curve that is a straight up vertical line Um, like I, I can get sure the first difficulty is not having two or not having any and then one and then i would say the next one should have two maybe three, three at most not not the huge and then if, huge and if you want one to have five great have one in between have a three difficulty well, and in between and it's not even like the damage spike that the zombies do to you is a small difference either it's not like you know going from like one to two to two to five to you know three to three to six it's like three to six and then half three quarters of your health Yeah, that that definitely. Now, granted, that being said, with them obviously getting that feedback is hopefully then they adjust that. Hopefully, but um, the open beta ended uh, just a few weeks ago, so they have like they had a maybe a month and a half that they have to com- essentially completely redo their balance system. So I don't know if if that's going to get done on time. I I feel like a lot of those adjustments are going to be made after the release, which I find unfortunate because that's going to tank a lot of their sales. Just be just just that difficulty spike. Yeah. With, with three people, they couldn't get past the second level. It might maybe have been different with four people, but it wouldn't have been that much of a difference. And that's the sad part is that having having a full player. Uh, a full group of players as opposed to three players and a really, really stupid AI doesn't make that much of a difference. Yeah, and a bit of armchair developing here, but I think an easier fix, again, I don't know what they're coding in or everything, but I think an easier fix would be almost like take the the, hard, the hardest difficulty, control C, control V it, change those values of like five on the apexes down to like three, cut the cut the damages down by a factor of like, I don't know, down to like three fourths of it, whatever. And I don't think that should take nearly maybe as much time as having to tweak everything because you can still have a hard difficulty. Honestly, having a super hard difficulty is part of the fun with a lot of games that have multiple difficulties. So maybe having that there when it comes to any any of the left for dead games, like the harder difficulty was what made it really fun, but just actually have a progression like, Hey, okay. So like you have the really easy, the easy, the slightly tangible meeting difficulty and then actually have it on hard and then your stupid hard that they've got currently now i think that yeah, that might either, be an easier way another difficulty in between the the second hardest and the hardest to give it you know five difficulty levels instead of four or tuning down the hardest difficulty just enough to make it like tiltingly hard but where it's still fun but not like i can't do this why would you do this to me difficult i mean there there are even some people that still do that kaizo mario is a thing and i just i ask why people would play mario that is that difficult oh the because the, su- the super modded the, mario where like, yeah the kaizo mario where like the levels are absolutely just insane. all those beams of fire going everywhere yeah and i'm just i'm just like 
I, I get where the appeal is, but I'm just like, why would you subject yourself to that? Just like that, it seems like so much pain just for that one payoff of like, yes, I finally beat it. And then obviously there are people that are really good at this. And then you go into the next level, level and it's the same thing. Yeah. But I mean, like there are people like that. So I, I think maybe Left 4 Dead could use that. It's just on Left 4 Dead, Back for Blood. Um, they just probably need to have a better difficulty curve than they do then. And that's not even obviously with a regular difficulty curve where, you know, the first couple missions are pretty easy and then it gets harder. It's like if it's already that brick wall hard on the first level of the hard difficulty, what the heck is the last mission going to be like? Yeah, exactly. It, and that's just, it's it's frustrating as a player looking forward to something so much. Like the when, when Back for Blood was, rele- was uh, just even announced, everyone was super excited for it because it's the creators of Left 4 Dead making a new game without being under someone else's thumb to make what that other person wants them to make. And then it just turns into this complete shit show that's lost so much popularity. And it's disappointing to, to hear that from a good company like that. Yeah. Um, two of the other games that uh, I, I'm interested in because I never I never really got to play these uh, quote-unquote upon release. I can still go back and get them now or even get ROMs for them if I really wanted. But it's uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl because I never really did Diamond Pearl Platinum. I, it's funny. I actually spent the most time, like either this most time or the second most time playing that generation of games, despite the Sinnoh region actually being not even close to one of my favorite regions. So like I, I would be down for those games to play the remakes. But part of the problem that I had, at least with Pearl, because when I played, I never did play Platinum, although I would, probably would have enjoyed Platinum more, was the Pokedex. Uh, the fact that the only Fire Pokemon you can get pre-League is your starter Fire Pokemon. Which I very rarely, if ever, choose wasn't, the starter fire Pokemon. Wasn't that the uh, the the fucking Embor? Uh, no, it was inf- it was uh, uh, Chimchar was into Monferno and in, into Infernape. Oh, of course, and so Infernape arguably actually is <laughs> the best firefighting, and it was only the second firefighting. So firefighting fatigue wasn't in there yet. But I just saw the um, the turtle, the monkey, and the the penguin. I'm like, I'm going penguin. One, I usually pick the water starters anyway. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna pick penguin. And then the fact that pre-league, the only fire Pokemon you can get in the Diamond and Pearl decks is the fire starter is so dumb. Absolutely dumb. Like, I'm not even a big fire type person, but it's like, I want a fire type because they have good coverage. It's like, oh, I can't get one now. That's really and as far as I'm aware, Platinum fixed that with the, in the Platinum decks. Obviously, the National decks after the league doesn't matter. You get more access to it. But I don't play for, you know, post-game for a lot of Pokemon games. I play for the the actual game, the actual eight badges, and then the yeah, and then going, the going before. And, and doing yeah, and doing the Pokemon journey. So it's like I want to then have you know a, a decent team. And now again, I did spend most of my time on Pearl playing post game. That's when I actually got not into competitive, but actually trying to make a, a team that could maybe, if I was a better pilot, maybe take a win or two off of somebody that's playing competitive. Um, getting Porygon, I think it was Porygon Z with friggin' uh, wide, maybe it was wide lenses. I can't remember what what the item was. And then spamming friggin' um, tri attack and just having like so much special attacks, like just pretty much sweep like a lot of a lot of Pokemon. Um, so yeah, like I, I did have fun with what I played of it, but I if they are just using the regular Diamond and Pearl decks, unfortunately, I'm probably gonna pass on these remakes. And I've I passed on mo- like I didn't play Omega Ruby or Alpha Sapphire. I haven't played. I did play the last remix that I played was the Heart Gold Soul Silver. Yeah, I got I got um, handed uh, Omega Sapphire. Was that what it was? 
Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Alpha, yeah Sapphire. Alpha Sapphire. Yeah, I got, I got, uh, I inherited an Alpha Sapphire that I actually really enjoyed. It, I thought it was a lot of fun. I played it on my 3DS a bunch. Um, yeah, and as as far as I've heard, like th those remakes were actually pretty good. They, they I just didn't end up playing them because I I kind of skipped, I kind of skipped Gen Six because I was not a big fan of uh, X and Y. I got Y. Why is the like Gen Six is the only generation Pokemon game that I did actually not play to completion of Elite Four. I picked up Y. I played it for a little bit, and it was just, it was it was easier than a, a Pokemon game in my opinion has any right to be. And the fact that I wasn't a big fan of Mega Evolutions in general, so I, I never know. did finish it, Black and then and I was out, so I didn't Black play the remake. Black and White remakes. was pretty easy. Black and White Black, was. Black and White had only one unforgiving gym, which was the Dragon Gym. Yeah, but the one thing is also with Black and White, they also had it, so that was the first game or first generation in which they had a essentially an overleveling clause. Essentially, like if you were if your Pokemon was like over ten levels higher than the opponent, it would actually get less experience, so you couldn't just one pokemon steamroll everything and that was yeah. I, th I think that was the actual second generation that i actually made a legit team and i was actually training up other pokemon one because i had to and two because i'm like well i did it in diamond and pearl i should probably do it again i shouldn't do my five-year-old me of pick my starter use my starter for everything have a level 80 <laughs> starter by the time i get to elite four and just crush it with that i never did <clears> that <throat> i always tried to build a well-rounded team even in sword and shield i always tried to build a well-rounded team um so i i actually like the art style of the remakes, unlike apparently the internet, um, oh, calling it too chibi is weird to me because Pokemon games up to really uh, X and Y were chibi. Kind of. So yeah. I'm like, so I'm like a remake that is then of a Gen Four game, which was chibi in the actual game, still being chibi is like that. That's fine. It, it yeah. I don't I don't exactly see what is what everybody's having an issue with. So, but to each their own, fine. If you're not a big fan of the chibi art style, that's that's a totally fair criticism, but I, I don't think it necessarily deserves the amount of hate that it's getting for that. Ah, uh, I agree. Um, and then, so Valheim is actually, this is being recorded on the 15th, Valheim is actually getting their, their Hearth and Home update tomorrow, um, which I have been waiting for for fucking dear. I've been waiting for for months literally months uh this game was released in uh february this year as an early access it is still technically considered an early access um but it's it's a it's a really nice survival game it's uh each world can hold up to 10 people which isn't an awful lot but it's an it's more than enough in most cases um and it's basically uh vikings meets minecraft and yeah I don't it's know how you uh... feel about minecraft but i oh man Valheim's a shitload of fun. There are so many stupid moments you can have. Because <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, when when did the early access launch? That was May, April. For what Valheim? For Valheim, yeah, the, the no, early it, access. It, no, it dropped in February. Oh, was was it actually that far back? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, because I do I do remember seeing a lot of uh, a lot of like YouTube videos like starting to cover cover it, and like it started off pretty damn big. Uh, and within then the first just... two or three weeks, I think there were no. Within the first month, there were five million people playing Valheim. Like for an early access game made by a complete indie studio that consisted of five people, to get five million people playing within a month is absolutely astounding. I think part of it may be what I kind of like to call the Among Us effect, in that like part of it was quarantine everybody's home wanting to do it like among us was 
big then, and then like it literally just dropped off the face of the planet. And so Valheim, it hasn't dropped off the face of the planet, but it's definitely seen a lot less like overall interest. I mean, obviously because you need to probably have be having updates for it, but it's it's kind of dropped off the map for a little bit. Well, the only the only unfortunately the only updates it's really been been getting uh, up until this point is. Uh, actually just a lot of quality of life fixes uh tweaks to monster ai um like now they'll instead of you know just randomly hitting things if they're near if if mobs are near stuff uh they actually focus on the players now um and if they need to, if they can't reach the player they will destroy the player's buildings to get to the player which i think is really cool um, so you can't just like build yeah, something so right in front of them sit, so they can't, can't just walk just, through and yeah, you can't just sit behind a wall and start shooting stuff and watching them run back and forth. They will actually start to take down that wall now. Hmm, that's uh, actually good. Yeah, like that's it's it's cool and it's it's I don't really want to say creative because there are obviously other games that do that, but f to have this type of survival game do that, whereas like Minecraft, which has been around for forever, which is what this very much feels similar to, um, like creepers don't start blowing up your house to get to you they only blow up if they get close to you kind of deal mm. um <clears throat> but yeah so the the hearth and home update they're adding more food um which is you know either uh, more ingredients to cook more recipes to make so you can actually choose whether or not you want your food to be more health based or more stamina based they're tweaking how health and stamina is going to affect you in combat um, in that when it comes to like shield blocking and whatnot um, right now it's just a flat amount based off of your block skill as, uh, as well as um, the actual shield type itself um, you know if you if you run out of stamina obviously you can't block anything but in this new update the more health you have so the quote-unquote tankier you get the more and longer you can block as opposed to it just being a flat stamina drain which i think is really cool and creative mm. um and because they're going to have more types of foods you can focus more on stamina so that you can have a quote-unquote tank with a, just a metric boatload of health to soak up hits and be your your blood sponge and then you can have your quote-unquote attacker builds where you've got a bunch more stamina not quite so much health so you can just keep swinging and hacking away um, they're also adjusting how some of the weapons work. Uh, I'm not going to go fully into it because they've got a whole bunch of stuff on their YouTube for it, um, as well as all over their, their Twitter uh, and everything else. Um, but the, the, the fact that they're, they're adding all of these quality of life changes and they're actually listening to the community uh, in, in doing so is, is really, really nice because not a lot of game companies lately have actually been listening to the community it's been more of oh hey you've been talking about this thing and asking for it for five years well let me spin this out as uh making it seem like this is something we've been wanting to do all along and you guys had nothing to do with it we just decided to you know give finally you a put it in out. so um and speaking of of game companies that are finally quote unquote listening to their player base i'm gonna hmm. dip yeah. ever yeah. so dip my slightly small toe into this uh poor sexually abused dead horse um yeah well we've, we've already kind of dipped it in a little bit 
Yeah, but this is going to get worse. So all of the things that Blizzard has been talking about before the release of Shadowlands, where you can swap your covenants on the fly, you no longer have to do a whole buttfuck load of grinding for everything. They're coming out and saying, hey, so we know that uh, these are all the things that we promised, but since we're finally delivering on that, we're working to change ourselves. And it's like, no, you're not working to change yourselves. You're finally kowtowing to the community that actually deserves to be kowtowed to after the 15 years of a toxic, abusive relationship and doing the shit that you promised you us that you have repeatedly failed to deliver on and expecting a congratulations, I know you've changed I'm not going to leave you anymore mentality. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm part of the complaint that I I kind of don't, like. I mean, I do get it, but I also don't get it, is the, if something's too much of a grind, I'm sorry, you're playing World of Warcraft. The entire game is a grind. It is a grind the game. No, so it's like, I, oh, it's too I, much of a grind to do that. And it's like, I, you're, you're playing a grindy game. That's just what it is. And I get that, yes, some things are maybe too grindy, but it's also like if like that problem is almost a problem that doesn't even need to be said because it's just the nature the older school MMO, which WoW is technically still a part of, despite still trying to be a more modern MMO. Yeah. Well, the my my bigger issue is the way that they're trying to spin these updates. Yeah, like, oh yeah, no, like like we know what we're doing. That's what we're we're doing this. Like, yes, like clearly, like you guys are gonna want this, that's why you're gonna love it. Like yes, we we know we want it because we've we been telling we you it. that we want it. We've been we've been asking for it for a year and a half, and you've been telling us that we're going to get it for a year and a half, and now we're finally getting it, and you're expecting a big round of applause for it for finally delivering on something that you've been promising. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's like the dog who has been shitting on the floor for the past year and a half, and then finally has, has finally has, has finally been potty trained. To, yeah, has finally been trying to go outside, and he's expecting to get all of the all of the treats now. It's like. You, yes, you get a you get a good dog pat on the head, and then now you go about being the good dog that you were always supposed to be. Yeah. Um, but while we're beating this poor dead sexually abused horse, how is TBC Classic looking? So that actually on the day of recording, phase two for TBC Classic did just drop. SSC and TK are out. People are rating it. If I check, probably TBC uh, Wowhead. For TBC, I should probably already see, hey, Vosh is already killed, or Kalos is already killed. Uh, instead, no, I see, I see Burning Crusade Classic Phase 2 known issues, Kalos threat, guild banks. Okay, so it looks like the Kalos fight has some threat issues, despite <laughs> being on the PTR. <laughs> hmm. And having I wonder been released, if... like, 10 plus years ago. Yeah, that's that's, that's the other thing is, <laughs> hey, you're, you're getting a 15-year-old game to work. Either way, regardless, you're disregarding that. Um... There are some people that thought or that think that phase two technically should have been part of launch. You should have had tier five with tier four. And I, I get where they're coming from. Yes, tier five was available on launch uh, in actual BC. Technically, so was Hyjal, part of tier six. You just couldn't do it because Kael'thas' fight was bugged slash so hard you couldn't actually get attuned for Hyjal. Um, so really, in my opinion, one, if you want tier five to be available, or you thought tier five should have been available, Hyjal should have been available then, regardless. Okay, yes, Karazhan, Garul, and Mag, maybe not the most interesting t rating tier that Blizzard's ever done, but adding SSC and TK to that, I don't think would add a whole lot. Yes, you actually have 25-man raids, which is what the main rating uh, amount is for TBC. The 10-man Karazhan and 10-man Zulmon are just kind of like smaller raids to help guilds get their, their toes wet for rating. 
but they're also not much more interesting than Gruel and Mag. Yes, there's more bosses, so you can actually do speed runs or whatever, actually care about rankings for world first and whatever. But it's like, okay, if we had that on launch, right now we'd be expecting to get Hyjal and BT then, because they would have been cleared week one, just like Mag, Gruel, and Karazhan were, obviously. So it's like you'd be having BC Classic in under a year, because you'd have three months of Tier 4, T5. You wouldn't need much more than that, because as soon as guilds could go to Tier 5, they would go to Tier 5 and then cut Karazhan from their rating anyway, which means getting Tier 4 loot's obsolete. So you're essentially just shutting Tier 5 down to three months. And then you're going to want to do BT and Hyjal. And then maybe about three months of those, month and a half of ZA, because that's not really a raid tier. And having more than three months of that would just be stupid. And then you have Sunwell, and then all of a sudden we're in Wrath Classic, which apparently people on the WoW Reddit already kind of want to happen. And if they're disappointed already at Tier 4, ho 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 ho, are they going to be disappointed with Tier 7? So you know, it's just like, take it slow. I, I do actually want to ask you this question. With everything that's been happening to Blizzard and everything that's been going on and how, frankly, how horribly TBC Classic has, has been uh, with popularity, do you really think that they're actually going to do a, a Lich King Classic? Uh, yes, just because the actual cost to get it up and running, I'm pretty sure will be zero to none. Like part of the part of the reason why they said originally vanilla wasn't going to happen for classic was because we don't have the we don't have the data for it because uh, they they only started actually saving the 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 builds at one point twelve apparently um, and so that was but then they realized oh yeah no we can actually get one point twelve working on it and they've already done the big work of getting it working on the modern client when they were getting about classic they then just need to tweak the in this case three point three point five because that what the last patch was for wrath either way whatever that patch is they're so. saying to tweak that onto there and they can see a lot of the stitch work that they've already done so a lot of the legwork has already been done um and wrath was the peak of popularity so i think that they will do it that being said do i think it'll be the peak of popularity for classic no i think that passed i think that was classic launch um not surprising there but also like yes it was a peak of player base but the the best part of Wrath was Ulduar. And I didn't I even get to see I, Ulduar. I would actually argue that um, that Cataclysm saw a whole bunch of popularity because that was when they started advertising not just in the gaming community. That was when they started doing more commercials. And, and I know that they had a, a few commercials prior to that because um, I think they did with some of the... Some of the, some of the yeah, it was the, the celebrity stuff started in, in TBC. And, and but I know that yeah. they, they really started advertising in Cataclysm. Uh, but at least in terms of like peak subscriber ah, subscriber count, it was Wrath at the at the 10 million uh, subscriber mark number or 12 million whatever it was. I can't remember now anymore. Um, so I, I do honestly think they'll do a Wrath Classic. Um, will they go beyond that? I mean, once you start one, you kind of have to do the rest because, like, people there are people that really like Mist. Looking back on it, they look back on it fondly, and I do think that overall Mist was probably a pretty decent expansion especially when you compare it to like Trainor and BFA and Shadowlands. So it's like once they've done, once they did Classic, and I mean, part of the idea for Classic for me was, it's like that world is actually gone. The Cataclysm actually removed that content from the game. So part of it was, I actually, like if I want to go back and do this content, I can't do it in the live game. Yeah. Outland I can, Northrend I can, but now we have TBC Classic. So it's like, that. why wouldn't they do Wrath Classic? Now, do I, I agree that they should? Maybe not, because again, really, in my opinion, I, I didn't actually get to do Uluar, but Nax is not an interesting raid in 10 and 25, man, because the actual numbers were tuned so hilariously low. Um, I have Eternity, 
great idea on paper. Vehicle combat and raids sucks ass. Um, Star, they they uh, did Obsidian. they did better with the vehicle combat in Old War. In new yeah, uh, but like uh, Obsidian Sanctum. Uh, I actually do like Obsidian Sanctum in the fact that again it's that um, non-binary hard mode where it's like we can do just Sartharian, we can do one dragon, we can do it two with two dragon, we can do it with all three. So like I do think that's a decent one. But if Sar 3D is your pinnacle of rating for tier seven, oh boy, that's going to be a fun tier. Uh, Ulduar, again, I never really saw a whole lot of Ulduar, and what I did see of it was after it was current content, when we were doing uh, TOC in the ICC. Uh, what I did see of it, though, I thought was pretty cool. So, like, if I did play Wrath, I'd be pretty pumped for Ulduar. TOC was a very lackluster raid. You're in I, one room for, dungeon, like, the entire the thing. The dungeon was a lot more fun than the raid. Uh, even the dungeon, novelty was cool. Jousting was cool the first two times. I only really liked the dungeon because it pulled the memories of old bosses, which was kind of fun, again, for nostalgia's sake. Um, Hammer, the righteous. <laughs> righteous. The TOC raid was, <laughs> and like I, I did the TOC raid. Now, granted, I didn't do it with a guild, but like I hug it, and it was fine. It wasn't the coolest thing ever. Honestly, my favorite fight in there was the PvP fight versus Horde NPCs. Um, or if you were Horde Alliance NPCs. Yeah, and then ICC. ICC was a good raid. The problem was we had it for just under a year. It felt like a whole lot longer, though. It felt, it felt like, like a year so ahead. Like, it felt like a year and a half. It honestly and, felt like Dragon Soul, even yeah, though and, Dragon Soul came out afterwards, and it was just and like Ruby's, oh my god, and, yeah, and, and Ruby Sanctum here? was nifty. Wasn't it, Ruby Sanctum only out for like three months before the expansion dropped? I I can't even remember because I think we did it twice, and then we're like, yeah, not a lot of good stuff drops here. We're just gonna focus on our Lich King kill. So it's it's like. Like Ruby Sanctum, like honestly, and that's for me. Like I played, I played Vanilla Classic, I played TBC Classic. There were things that I wanted to do in TBC Classic, and Vanilla Classic that I've now either done or maybe failed to do. The only thing in Wrath in Wrath Classic that I want to do would be to see Ulduar and current content, but I'm not going to play through Tier Seven to do that. I'm really not. No, no I so would not I, I'm not going to play it all over again and just for that. Like part of it for me for Vanilla was I, I wanted to do go for, to aim for next. I didn't end up doing next because I because I didn't have enough time to be able to be able to put the time in for next. Um, but I did actually get to see BWL and AQ when they were current content for, for Classic. Obviously not anywhere near as hard as they were in actual uh, vanilla. But it's like, hey, I get to see a current content. Okay, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's like, okay, next 25, man, just to see Ulduar, not worth it. And then if I'm not sticking around, personally how I feel, like I do think that WoW is a collaborative game. And so if I get loot, I want to use it for the guild. Well, in order to do Ulduar, I'm going to need loot from Nax. I'm going to feel bad when I take Luke from Max and even Ulduar till we get to Yogg, and then be like, okay, bye. Hey, guys, bye. And it's like, okay, I take um, Armageddon or whatever awesome weapon or gear that like you get shit on for loot with me because I managed to get it. It's like, I, ju I just don't want to do that. So I just probably will not play Wrath unless whatever group I go with is okay with, like, hey, I'm only going for Ulduar, so you better be okay with whatever gear I get I'm taking with me. Like, you're not, you're not going to see it again. Yeah. No, I... And there, there, there probably is some niche guild that would totally be fine with that, but at the same time, it's not even really fucking worth it at that point because you no. know, you know that the gear gap between, or rather the the time gap between tier seven and tier eight is going to be three four months. Probably, even though that is one that I think it should be shorter. And you could argue that with TBC Classic, maybe the tier four should have been shorter than the three months that it is. Um, honestly, it probably was, considering how on the PTR it was put on August first when New World's release was originally scheduled to be the end of August there, almost like they wanted to drop Phase 2 of TBC to compete with New World. Hmm. 
and then New World got pushed back, and then Blizzard's kind of like, oh, so then now they released it today. Oh yeah, that's so, right. New World was the the last game that I wanted to cover real quick. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> See, perfect segue. Yeah, yeah, well, those those don't happen. <laughs> um, so New World, Amazon. It's fucking weird that Amazon, the delivery system, now has yeah, <laughs> yeah, and. I mean, just for that fact alone, I am leery, despite what I've seen. Like, I am optimistic for it, but I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, because what I have seen, I didn't play the open beta that I think they had a couple weeks ago. Um, like, the crafting looks cool. The the actual combat looks fine. Again, obviously, I wouldn't want to try it before I get a final say on whether it's good or not. But at least from visually watching somebody else do it, it looks serviceable at the very least. Um, the biggest concern for me was enemy type it looked like you were fighting the same enemies like on your first fight and then even in the dungeons it was like the same enemies and uh, i was kind of so, like Ooh. yes you you do fight um they so they're they're similar in model and the greater majority have the same base mechanics the difference comes into a lot of the open worlds the elites the uh what they have dubbed as uh, elite pluses um which are are the named mini bosses out in the open world as opposed to like the dungeon named bosses um but the the mechanics of the elite pluses and the the dungeon bosses are actually where um everything starts to to really pan out and like diversify in what's actually happening which i i approve i i do like it um but so far one of my biggest draws to the game actually is just like how how much you actually need to do the crafting and gathering in order to actually to have competent similar gear to everyone else unless you have a fuckload of money to start buying everything from all the other players who've been crafting everything yeah all, a lot of the footage i've seen i can definitely say i almost want i almost want to say like 50 percent of it is your crafting in the menu and i mean some people that might be a turnoff i actually kind of do like crafting I kind of wish professions in World of Warcraft were like at their peak, like TBC, like where you're like, yeah, I'm using professions, using a whole lot. So that's cool. The other thing, though, is other information I saw, a lot of it just feels like the usual go to a board, pick up the quest. Oh, you got to go to location Y, kill 10 of mob B. Okay, do that. Go back to the board, get the next one. Oh, now you got to kill 15, but it's not mob B anymore. It's now mob A. So and so it just the, a lot it seems like a lot of the samey MMO and I mean there's nothing wrong with that. No, Obviously and, we've been doing it, that for twenty years. And it is similar to that, but so what all of those board quests are is simply just to upgrade the town that you're accepting those quests from. They do not affect you in any other way. They do not affect any other player in any other way. They do not unlock anything for anyone else other than the fact that it starts upgrading the town, which upgrades all of the crafting stations. It makes using the crafting stations cheaper so like they are integral but they're not necessary because if you don't do them everyone else is going to be doing them okay so it's it's not super necessary and they're they're essentially just those little bits of extra experience or extra awards that anyone that you would be looking for um as for the the other main draw that I have towards it is actually the open world PvP, which not very many MMOs have anymore. Uh, it's it's 
basically just straight up war mode from World of Warcraft. So anyone who knows that is very familiar with um, New Worlds uh, open world PvP is. But um, when you're in a major city, you can opt in or out of the, the open world PvP. When you leave a major city, you have 30 seconds before you're actually flagged. For PvP, uh, any there's there's three factions: um, yellow, purple, green. I don't remember what they're all called. It's Marauders, Covenant, and something. Um, and anyone from the other two factions that you didn't pick, anyone, can just beat the shit out of you at will. Um, and it's it's frustrating sometimes uh, because you know, prime example, you could just be sitting there mining away or chopping down trees, committing treeicide. And some guy comes up to you and just claps your face. And that's kind of frustrating. But at the same time, if I'm killing three mobs and I'm standing next to an iron node and I get those three mobs down right as someone else starts to mine that iron node, I now get to kill him for taking my iron node. <laughs> so the thing that is frustrating is also very rewarding and satisfactory. And that's that's my relationship with, P with PvP modes in general. Like I have always played on a PvP server on WoW. Because, like, yes, it is annoying when that level, that max level undead rogue decides to gank you just as you're fighting a mob and you're at, like, 10% health. Because undead going to undead. But when you do that and you actually win the fight, it is so much more satisfying to be like, yeah, you had the overwhelming advantage and you still lost. So I've, I've always played on PvP servers. I probably will always play on PvP servers. But, like, the war mode thing to me, I'm not a big fan of because then, like, why flag like you need incentives to flag other than just like yeah it's fun because uh so uh, a guildy what it was did was uh was in the new world i think it was closed beta it was the open beta but he was also he was streaming on discord and he was trying to find people to like shoot but none of them were flagged and so it's like when in a war mode situation nobody's gonna flag a lot of the time and he was like actually going around trying to find somebody anybody to actually do some world pvp against um, yeah, because so, a lot of a lot of people just want to flag it off, do whatever I'm doing. They don't want that. Well, That's why and, people swap and, off from PB servers on the WoW. They go to PB servers. The the nice thing about the 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 flagging though is if you do choose to participate and you get a flat ten percent experience bonus, um, which is very similar to War Mode in World of Warcraft. Um, so that just that overall, you know, temp you you, you get ten percent more experience for everything that you do: chopping trees, mining nodes. Um, killing mobs, uh, herbing herbs, everything gives a, f uh, a bonus, flat 10% bonus. Uh, the other thing is, is when you kill other players, you still get experience and weapon mastery for it. So even just the challenge of killing someone else for that little bit of extra bonus, because you get a 10% bonus experience on that player kill as well. So there is definitely an, uh, a reason to opt into it. The big downside that I've noticed um, from a lot of the streams that I've watched and a lot of the other, and just having experienced it myself in the open beta, is uh, I, I decided that I was not going to opt into it. I was going to keep myself, my, my flag turned off simply because I just wanted to get a feel for the game and spend some time doing it and, and seeing it and experiencing it. And getting constantly ganked by the roaming 10 to 20 man squads of PvPers is frustrating mm, the giant squads yeah. i know that Which, i know that quite the, well and on the, the, giant, the giant death balls are fantastic because like you know if you got a 10 to 20 man group running around and you come across another 10 to 20 man group like that whole area just becomes an absolute shit show for everyone nearby 
which is satisfying and amazing and so much fun. But if you're that one guy that just happened to not be on their faction and you're flagged for PvP, you are so boned. Yeah, phase two Blackrock Mountain says hello. God, that was oh shit show. Yeah. So it 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 has a lot of its own ups and downs, but I think that they're very acceptable ups and downs to the entire player base. And since there are no dedicated PvP or PvE servers, having that option to opt in or out, I think, is going to allow the players their own separation to decide whether or not they want to. And have just having that option, because, you know, maybe one day, you know, say if I'm if in World of Warcraft, if I'm stuck playing on a PvE server, it's like, well, if I want a PvP, I have to go into Battlegrounds. And because I'm on a PvE server, this was back before Crossrun Battlegrounds, if I'm on a PvE server and I want to PvP and I got to queue up for Battlegrounds, I'm now sitting in a three-hour wait time because no one else wants to PvP because PvP, they're on yeah. a PvE server. But with the option to turn your flag on or off, it's, you know, I've just, I've just done a whole bunch of grinding. I've got a whole bunch of stuff sitting in my storage. I just made a whole bunch of new gear, and it's like, you know what? I want to go kill some poor motherfucker. I just turn my flag on, walk outside the town, wait 30 seconds, and start murdering people or getting murdered by people. So having that option to flag on and off PvP, I think, is is definitely one of the better open-world PvP systems that I've seen to this day. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic, and it's Amazon. I'm, I'm wondering how big corporate greed can screw it up, because you know big corporate greed is going to eventually screw it up. It's, it's just a matter of when. I do agree. Uh, um, I'm, I'm just hoping that it's not at launch. I'm well, hoping it's not at launch. So, so, so far, what they've stated for their roadmap is as follows. And this, I, I could stand corrected. I'm not holding myself to my words. But they have no end-tier raids planned at the moment. All they, they have no plans for any expansions, no major updates planned. They just want to sit and wait and see what the player base decides that they want out of this game which is, so far to my knowledge, never really been happened in the case of an MMO, where it's just, here, have fun, go at it, and then six months to a year down the line, tell us what you want, and if it ends up being a lot of people's desires, we'll work on it. The thing that I see happening with that is that by the time they do that, it's going to be too late, because whatever it is they want, whether it's raids, whether it's open-world events, whatever... All that takes development time, so it's like you're waiting then another probably six months minimum for what. It, let's just say it's raids, and so their first raid probably going to make it actually decent. Probably going to take them at least three months to actually make sure that it's functional, not nearly as buggy as some raids that WoW has ever put out. Um, it's like when players will probably be here talking about what they want next, they're already already wanting it now, and so then they're going to be bleeding people of like, oh yeah, no content, okay, I'm going to leave, and then. They may not even come back because so they might be, not be listening to when it's released. Well, so here, I, I think they're going to the need nice to have an idea of what their players want before the players realize that they want it so they can be starting development on it so it can come out in a reasonable time. So you don't have a six, like a seven-month 9.0 patch on a game. <laughs> well, and, and here is, is my retort to you. There's no sub-fee. It's a flat one-time purchase. If you want to take True. if you want to take a six to seven month break from it, cool. You don't have to pay for it anymore. You've bought it. You can go back to it at any point, or not go back to it at any point. 
So while I do agree that, that there could be a huge content drought, which would be unfortunate, uh, there's no sub fee. So the only downside is just literally the weight. And there's the, gonna be some sort of monetization then. There's gotta be. It's it's gonna be it's Amazon. It's, like there's no way that there's gonna be some sort of monetization. It's plausible. I'm I'm sticking it's with you. Amazon. It, it, yes, it is Amazon, but I am cautiously optimistic because so far between the closed beta and the open beta, which I believe was only like a month or two months, they managed to fix probably 70% of the bugs or even just issues that players had with the game. So they have actually been doing what they should be doing. I mean, they have Amazon money. They can literally just keep throwing money at it. But at the same time, it's like, it's Amazon money. They're going to want that money back. How are they going to make sure that they get that money back? I, I think for the, the baseline $40 starting price for the game, $50 for the deluxe edition or whatever, and they've got higher editions for like actual physical copy stuff uh, for the game. Um, I think for a flat $40 one-time purchase fee, they're going to get a good chunk of money out of it because it, New World has been the talk since they talked about it, since they announced it, because it's an Amazon game. Amazon's never done this before. So that alone got a lot of people just even looking at it. And then when they did the closed beta, there were so many streamers that did it, and they no-lifed it, like, hard. And a lot of those streamers were popular, were popular big-name streamers. And then when they did their open beta, it was literally just, hey, you want a key? Here's your key. Because when I went to go for it, I was like, oh, I probably got to, you know, wait a day or two. It's only like a three or four day window. I'm probably not going to get it. I hit request key and it was like, okay, here's your key. And it just started downloading. Hmm. It was pure stress test. How many people can we get? And all the servers were either medium or high pop there were no low pop servers after the first two hours of the open beta so i feel like they're gonna make a good chunk of money which they hopefully start to reinvest into the game as soon as it feels necessary to do so not not as soon as i want them to but as soon as it feels necessary to do so because leveling does take a long time and with how much of the crafting and gathering of crafting and gathering you're going to have to do i feel like there's going to be a good chunk of players that don't just straight bum rush to 60 and then have no professions obviously there are going to be some people that do that because then you know you're level 60 wandering around ganking level 10s and 15s which is hilarity at its own because <laughs> then you get to watch 15 to 20 level 10 to 15 struggling to kill this one level 60 but I, I feel like the greater populace that play the game are going to take their time to, to, to level the quote-unquote right way, which is going to give Amazon time to sit and tweak and talk and figure out where they want the game to go from there. It'll definitely be something to watch. This is true. But I am pretty much out of shit to talk about, so unless there's something you want to cover last minute... Uh, only last thing, it probably won't be too long, is just uh, the Advanced Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp, a remake bundle of the first advanced uh, first two Advanced Wars games. Technically not the first two because the Wars series was in the 
Game Boy Color and on the Famicom before then, but for the Advanced War series. Um, the announcement comes out of friggin' left field. I don't think there was anybody that was like, yeah, you know Nintendo's gonna, you know, remake Advanced Wars. There's no way anybody had that on their bingo card at all. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was definitely a pleasant surprise. Uh, the overall art style, I, I like, and I'm very hesitant to say like because it is cool. I do like the style. I'm just not a fan of it coming from what the GBA style was. Advanced Wars it, on the GBA, it was a cartoony war game, but GBA cartoony is not actually that cartoony. This the Switch cartoony though is quite cartoony. Like you have infantry, you have bazooka dudes, you have tanks, you have medium tanks, you have bombers, you have fighters. Like you have military great stuff. And the infantry on the GBA look like infantry. The infantry on the Switch remake look like toy soldiers that have helmets that are too big for them that like their like their gear doesn't fit them like almost like they're supposed to be kids wielding guns and having combat gear it it looks weird and i, I guess i know advanced wars is a cartoony ish game but it feels like the art style for the remake has just gone too cartoony and at least the the main character the ceo the commanding officer character designs I am actually pleased with most of them. They actually look pretty darn faithful to their one in, their Advanced Wars 1 and 2 the way they look. There is just one or two that they've shown that I'm like, mm, uh, maybe you could have done a little bit of a more grittier job for some of them. Like one dude is a badass air, air like ace pilot. And so like he like he looks like a badass in, in the GBA versions. And this he just he, he just looks cartoony. Like, I, I, he doesn't look like a badass. He just looks really cartoony. And I'm kind of sad for him because I, he, he was a really cool character in the in the, in the the two games and on the DS game, uh, Dual Strike. Uh, but I, I will get it because I do love Advanced Wars. I've been wanting... I, I did play through Advanced Wars 1 again, and I've been wanting more Advanced Wars, probably without being Advanced Wars 1, but this Nintendo's opportunity to say, hey, people are interested in Advanced Wars. Maybe we can actually make a new game for it. Yeah, or at the I, very least, I mean, I was, was going to say at the very least, get your stupid virtual console, you know, set up for friggin' Switch <laughs> so I can play older games, but, you know, that's never happening. That's never so. going to happen. Because then we'd see Twilight Princess on the Switch, and that's not something they want to do. No. Because that's, yeah. that's the one Zelda they, game they, that everyone's crying well, for. Because and, and they they want to do an HD remake because they've done Skyward Sword, and, like, I Skyward Sword is my 3D Zelda. I probably won't pick up the 3D uh, re-release for a Switch, but it's like, I'm, I'm glad it's there. But it would have been easier to just have a virtual console like the Wii and Wii U had, but they can't make a whole bunch of money off that like they can doing a re-release. Yeah, so the, the virtual console is dead and gone, unfortunately. Uh, that is all I really had. Yeah, that's pretty much all I've got. So I want to thank you guys for uh, tuning in, and we'll see you next time. And just remember, it is always just a setback. <laughs> Hold on, I got all tabbed.